Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. Got Jason Theobald back in the house. Jason, what's going on, man? How's your Thursday going? You know what? Um, it's great. I mean, I'm having a really good week business-wise, family-wise, but I've come down with another upper respiratory infection, so that sucks. So, you know, I'm dealing with that. Going to have to get some antibiotics, but uh, otherwise, uh, everything's really good, man. I have no complaints. You said business is up, huh? Doing well? Business is doing great. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm adding, I added a, uh, an IFPB bodybuilder this week, so that was nice. Um, but I'm also just helping a lot of people with, with labs and kind of opening their eyes to certain things. Um, and, and I'm getting immediate feedback from them on how it's helping them feel better. And that's always rewarding and really cool. Yeah, I, dude, I'm right there with you. I know we talked, I had a kind of a slow December, January, which is not normal for me, but Jesus, I've had one of the largest months I've ever had this month. And I mean, we still have, I don't nice. know, four, four or five days left. I'm like, holy crap. I'm just, I'm just crushing it right now. So I'm happy, but I'm, yeah. I'm doing a lot of the stuff that you're talking about as well. Definitely helping a lot of people with labs. And the biggest thing I'm seeing right now is it's probably because I work with so many natural clients. Like that's mostly my base is just so many females are coming to me, low testosterone. They've done shows for multiple years doctors aren't playing ball like they don't know what to do to fix it so I'm getting a lot of those people just asking me questions and I bring it bringing them on and and really just trying to work with them to kind of get them into a into a good place so that's that's been a lot of people and those are always the hardest situations too so it's not like it's easy work coming my way I mean it's not like I have genetically elite athletes coming where I can just throw some throw macros and cardio at them and get them shredded and put them on stage like you know, it's, it's, it's never the easy ones. It's always the hard ones, but it's also those that you learn the most from. So I, I like it. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean, and you know, when you can help someone, you know, kind of get their, I don't say life back. That's maybe a little too dramatic, but in some reward, in some respects, it's kind of what it is for, for some of them. Um, it's, it's, it's rewarding. You know what I mean? So I like, uh, the mix of, um, prep and then, um, helping people, who just, you know, kind of got dealt a raw deal based on, you know, just maybe training too much or just genetics in general. And when, with that stress placed on them, you know, the body kind of goes haywire. So, yeah, definitely. And, and speaking of, um, let's, let's talk about kind of, you know, something new that's been happening for us this week. I'm getting ready to head out to the Nutridine Functional Med Summit a conference in Oklahoma city. And it, it largely revolves around gut health, which is, is something I understand. And I know a decent amount about, but I definitely need to get better. I don't know what the level like you do and Vince. Um, so I'm headed out there to kind of try and learn as much as I can with, with my team. And um, so I've got that going on this week. You and Vince speaking of Vince is going to come on. I believe we have him scheduled for next week to talk yes, about gut, gut health. So you got that lined up so you guys can look forward to that. Um, and I'll have some stuff to share from this that I learned from the functional med summit. Yeah, that's going to be a nice uh, one too with you coming back and having having him on. Yeah. So the reason why I bring that up is that kind of leads into you and Vince. You guys just got back from speaking in Colorado, man. Kind of tell people what that was like. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. So there was a, a group. Um, they have 10 coaches or Atlas Nutrition out of Colorado, but they're also a few of them are in Texas. Um, they use our feed for function, you know, as a group and they hit us up and just said, Hey, you know, we really appreciate a lot of the info you guys are putting out. We feel like, you know, that could benefit our group. Would you come and, and educate us? Would you be willing to do that? And we're like, sure. Um, so they flew us out, um, put us up in a really nice hotel in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, we had great amenities uh, and we all met in a hotel and, uh, had a nice little room and um, we sat around and let's see, I delivered uh, topics of insulin sensitivity um, and then peak week strategies. And then Vince did gut health uh, and then basically a, a one, like an intro to hormones. Like, so we went over, you know, from progesterone to testosterone to, you know, the, the main hormones um, and kind of the drivers that, you know, show most of the the problems in women, but he also went over men. But again, the men's system's a little easier, a little easier to grasp. So a lot of it was more geared towards helping women, but it was kind of an intro to hormones. So 
uh, they said it, uh, they, they really appreciated it, that they thought it made them better. And so the feedback was great. So yeah, I mean, um, it's just one of those weekends where you come away, uh, it's good energy, um, a lot of learning, just meeting new people that are passionate about the same things. You come away with drive and just ready to kind of tackle your week and just keep getting better yourself. So very yeah. cool on all fronts for him and I. I, you know what, man, I love public speaking. I love, I, I do a lot of that stuff. I'll travel around to a gym and I'll speak to, you know, five or six trainers right. or, or guest lecture at colleges. I do a lot of that, like shit tons of that. And it's one of those things to where, it, and I don't know about you, I'll get your take on this and then we'll get yeah. into our actual show, but dude, it's probably the favorite thing that I do. I, I mean, we both have our hands in so many different things. Yeah. I think I like public speaking and meeting people and helping educate people more than I like anything else. And the only reason I don't just do that full time is well, just make too much money doing all the other stuff with coaching and stuff like that. And I love the other stuff, but dude, it's super rewarding to me. Is it, is it right up there at the top for you? Yeah, it is. And you know, maybe you'll agree with me, but at first, you know, it was, it was rough. Uh, you know, just, I, I was never like had a public speaking fear, but it didn't come natural to me either. So at first it was like, Oh man, I want to do this, but Oh, it's going to be a little rough. Um, but now that I'm into it, I really love it. And, and you know, it's also interesting too. I'm not a natural extrovert. Um, I would always class myself as more of an introvert, but I really love the aspect of like just meeting new coaches and just the energy that, that comes with that and just kind of keeps me, Cause you know, I've been doing this for what, 15, 14 years. And it's probably, it's the longest career I've had. Law was about 12. Um, and so, you know, you can kind of get in your laws, but man, by getting out there and, 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 and helping educate new coaches to do this right. Um, it really kind of lights that fire. So yeah, I there with, with, uh, those weekends are some of my favorite and definitely one of the cooler aspects of my of my career for sure. Yeah, man. I, I can't wait for some of the stuff we have coming up with the summit and our stuff here. And just, I just love it. And, and I know one of the things too, I'm definitely not a professional public speaker, but one of the things for those listening out there, may, maybe we'll do a podcast on there. Maybe you guys on the excellence cartel will cover it with public speaking. But one of the things I do is, is I'll make fun of people in my slideshows. Like I'm always busting your chops or busting Cliff's yeah. chops. Or if there's someone in the audience that I know really well, that everybody right. knows, like I'll bust their chops and I just have fun with it, man. And yeah. people like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next uh, speaking event. So here's the cool thing about today's show. This is episode 12. And what I want to do, like I said in the last episode is, you know, somewhere around every 10 to 12 episodes, we just kind of have fun. We clean it up. And we get all these questions that get sent in. I get a ton of these. You know, every time we release an episode, I get a bunch of questions. And I kind of compile the best ones. And I think we've got, I mean, I'm not counting them, but probably eight or nine really good questions here. Um, and I just think it's fun. We should do these every 10 to 12 episodes. It's kind of an ask us anything. And anything goes, right? Like it can be fun questions. It can be personal. It can be about business or physique enhancement. It doesn't matter. So I'm just really going to get into the meat and potatoes of this man. And, and, you know, I think this will probably be a 45 minute episode. Yeah. Um, some of these we'll spend longer on for other episodes, but I'm just going to get right into it, man. And uh, we'll just kind of both go back and forth on these. So the first question comes from Tim Scott. His question is, do fat burners actually work? And if you stop taking them, do they mess with your body's ability to burn fat? So Jason, I'm going to throw this over to you to kind of kick yeah. off and, and to kind of paint the picture. You know, when someone says fat burners, you know, we're thinking right. about the normal thermos and stuff yeah. like that with caffeine and all yeah. that. So kind of give your take on, do they actually work and what happens? When yeah. You like that was what I was going to do first was kind of clarify like, you know, what fat burner means because, you know, it, usually when someone asks that question, they mean you know, the, the products that, you know, have, like you said, caffeine, maybe they have Yohim B, but not the proper Yohim bind. Um, maybe they have some ephedra, but not ephedrine. So what they end up really being is expensive stimulants and they do help curb hunger. Like, don't get me wrong. When you're jacking up your synephrine and norepinephrine and all these different things, you're not going to be hungry because you're in flight or fight. Like that's what it's doing. So it's really hard on the adrenals. Um, and yes, they will help hunger, but they really aren't doing much for fat burning because 
the the substrates in them just you know like I said they're not allowed to use ephedrine hydrochloric they're not allowed to use yohimbine hydrochloric generally um, you can still buy yohimbine in small doses from a few companies but I think even the laws around that are a little iffy some manufacturers won't make it and blah 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 so those type of formulas if you are just a high hunger drive and you need it for to help curb hunger have at it but if you think they're really burning a lot of fat they're not um, you're better off going and getting bronchade, which has ephedrine sulfate, which has 20 migs of ephedrine hydrochloric. And you're better off going and getting yohimbine hydrochloric, which I think Primaforce still makes. You're better off getting clinbuterol. You're better off using our product at New Ethics, Thyroboost. But the, these pre-made uh, formulas that are touted as fat burners, not that great. And when you come off them, it's not that you don't burn fat less efficiently but your adrenals will be zapped and when your adrenals are zapped you can barely move and get about your day and so yeah you're going to be less efficient at burning fat because of that but not directly because you removed this quote-unquote fat burner i don't know you have anything else on john yeah you know i kind of have a theory man i think that that fat burners that just stim you the hell out and cause cortisol to rise cause fight or flight which cause you to release blood sugar which cause you to release insulin I think over time they start to work against you for fat loss. I really do. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at go back and listen to episode two and think about stress. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. It does cause you to blunt hunger just a little bit. But here's the thing: if you're listening to the show and you're a bodybuilder and you're someone that steps on stage or you're trying to get really lean, sometimes it you just can't fight hunger. You have to accept yep. that's what it is and stop trying to find ways to fight it. Because it's just not going to happen. If you get lean enough, there's really no way around it. The only real fat burners, you know, most <laughs> of my clients, you mentioned clan and stuff like that. Yeah, obviously, if you're going to compete NPC or someone else, somewhere else, that's cool. If you're natural, like most of my clients, um, you know, injectable L-carnitine, as we've been touting yep. literally the whole time we've been doing this podcast. Or you can take it oral, two grams, twice a day. Um, still not going to be as good. But that's not even close. That, Right. It's, it's something you can take though. That's non-stem. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, green tea is something that, I mean, it, it, you can still get a stimulation from it. It's just not, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I'd rather see things like, like you said, your thyro boost and limiting cortisol. You know, I think those type of things are not fat burners, but they enable better fat burn. They're, they're improving the body systems and therefore allowing you to burn more fat. Which is exactly why you made them, if I remember you Correct. About it. So, uh, letting your body let go of fat. So, yeah, Tim, to answer your question, um, do they work? Kind of the very, I don't really, I don't feel like they do. Put man. it this way, I get pretty peeled for my shows. I couldn't tell you the last time I bought a quote-unquote fat burner to, to use. For, yeah, for, for prep or anything. <laughs> Companies out there making them still these days, they really just, they're in the supplement game and people still make them and they think, well, fuck, I need to make one too. Um, but people that understand, like Jason, like with you guys with New Ethics and- We'll never have one. Right, because you, you're trying to work with how the body's supposed to work. Correct, correct. Um, okay, let's move on. The next question is from Tyler Ashley. What would happen if you take a glucose disposal agent with a low carb meal? You know what? That's a really good question because there are times where I actually have people take a GDA yep. when they don't have carbs. Yep. Um, but Jason, I'm going to throw this back over to you again, let you kick it off and then I'll yeah. add to it. What, yeah. so what happens if you take one with a low carb meal? So <clears throat> I'll give, you know, the simple answer. If someone is, you know, insulin sensitive, they're a healthy person and you take one, with no carbs or very low carb, there's a good possibility that blood sugar is going to drop and you're going to feel hypo symptoms. So you might get the chills, weird sweats, nausea, um, very cranky, and your body wanting food. So that's your blood sugar is being pushed into the 60s or even possibly lower. If you're someone who doesn't have great insulin sensitivity, uh, i.e. meaning you know maybe you have a good amount of people in your family with type 2 diabetes like myself, um, I take a GDA with my last meal at night and it has no carbs and it doesn't do a damn thing to me in terms of creating hypo symptoms. Um, so it really depends on the person and how insulin sensitive you are and how, you know, you know, yeah, I think that answers it pretty well. So, you know, I don't think I need to keep debating it. What, what, what do you think, John? So it's one of those things to where you, you know, we had that episode on insulin sensitivity. It's one of our most downloaded episodes, by the way. Yeah. 
um, where we talked about why it works. So guys, you, Tyler, you may want to go back and listen to that if you haven't, but with, with my people, like if I'm doing an insulin sensitivity reset, I've got a girl right, right now, her numbers are like 98, um, post meal. And that's, yeah, it's even without carbs. So her blood sugar is just naturally staying a little bit higher. I'll have her take that GDA to clear blood sugar down a little bit and try and get it down into the seventies and eighties just to help improve her insulin sensitivity. Or yep. like, like you said, take it late at night. You know, if someone's showing higher readings in the morning and I don't feel like he's Don phenomenon and they're just kind of high in general, I'll have them take that to kind of clear out. I know when I do that, once, whenever I need to reset and my shit's high in the morning, it's high after my meals too. Dude, I wake up feeling so much better and I actually feel like eating because if not, yes. I wake up and I don't want to fucking eat. Nope. And it's always a shit, a sign of shitty insulin sensitivity. So yes. it's okay. You know, I just, right now I'm, I'm taking your, your, um, Slintrol product from Natty. Um, I bought a bunch of those from you. I stayed at your house. Yep. I just like them and I throw in 500 mix at Berberine. Um, yep. you know, but you know, your GDA max is pretty good. I don't know how powerful that would be on somebody with low carbs, but they probably want to pay attention to how they feel after I would imagine, because that was, yeah. that was a pretty damn, yeah, it's pretty product. strong. Just read your biofeedback. Like I said, I'm using GDA max with non-carb meals, but you know, again, um, I have it in the genes to not be that insulin sensitive. And when you're slamming, you know, 300, I probably get in 300 to 350 carbs a day. Um, you know, especially by the end of the day, I can take that at night with no carb meal and I don't, you know, I don't feel any hypo symptoms. So, um, you know, it has to do with your genetics. It has to do with, uh, the readings you're getting on a glucometer and then take your biofeedback, uh, with it. But I agree when I'm in an insulin reset, um, I do like you, there's times where I'll have people take it, um, with no carbs just to, just to create that, you know, resensitize them to their own insulin. Yeah. Okay. Next question is from Luis. Sorry, Luis, I didn't get your last name. Um, just wanted to say you guys have great content and love your podcast. I'm just wondering if it's better to weigh your food before or after cooking it. Thanks for in advance. So this is one, um, you know, obviously it depends on Luis. It depends on what you're having. So with meats, here's what I tell my clients, Jason, you kind of give your take on, on this you know, things yeah. like oatmeal. Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to weigh oatmeal after it's cooked. Like all nutrition labels are based on a raw, most of the time a raw reading. So like oats are raw without water and not cooked. So if you weigh out 40 grams of oats, it's going to give you 27 carbs, for example. So you always want to measure everything raw to be accurate. The same thing with meats, you know, 112 grams of chicken is like, I don't know, like 22 protein or whatever. So I tell people, figure out what you need raw, cook it. And then if you know what your cooked measurement is from then on, we'll just make sure you cook it the same and then use that cooked measurement. But if someone really wants to be accurate and they're having to move numbers around, they've got different numbers, you always should measure everything raw, especially if you're somebody that's a physique athlete going to get on stage. You don't want to just grab some cooked meat from wherever the hell it came from. It could be it could be barbecued, it could be baked in the oven, it could be put in a crock pot, it could be pre-made. If you just Google or look up on MyFitnessPal cooked six ounce chicken breast, like dude, you might be off like seven grams of protein for all you know. So I tell that's what I tell my clients if they really want to be accurate, just do the work and weigh it out raw. What's what's your take on that? <clears throat> you're actually you're you're absolutely right on on that. Um, I know myself um, just as I've gone along in bodybuilding um and my body just doesn't seem to be as i don't know as as stubborn anymore it's weird as i've gotten older it's less stubborn but it's just because i've maximized everything i now do my my chicken and everything i i do it i do cooked weight um our feed for function has both but i will tell you that john is 100 right if you want to be accurate to the dot you have to do it in terms of food labels and there's no food label that exists for chicken that tells you what cooked chickens protein content is all those all those uh labels are raw so if you find something online um you're getting someone's estimate or you know they did a lot of the the math that john was talking about to get it into a a cooked form and we've gone and, and collected those so i have like five different options i can choose from in our in our feed for function and just for ease i went ahead and done that now um, but for years when I was competing and I always had to get ready, you know, using 16 weeks and my body was a little more stubborn. I did it exactly the way John is recommending. 
Yeah, and you know where I think it really hurts people? I think for those of us that are guys and our protein is pretty high, like if we eat 300 protein a day, for example, yeah, if we're off seven grams for a meal here and there, it's not going to hurt us. But, you know, if you're a female, a smaller female, and maybe you're only eating 120 grams of protein a day and you're getting 20 at one of your meals, but if you're off like five protein, like you're not getting all the aminos that you need, especially if you're counting the protein for things like oats, or mm-hmm. whatever else, like you could really, you could really be way off. So yeah. it's just something people need to be careful with. It's not that you're already weighing your food anyway. Just take the time to weigh. So, I mean, I guess to give Luis an answer is, listen, if you're getting ready for a show and you want to be super exact and anal meats, you know, weigh them raw. But if you're just trying to get ready for the beach and look great, pick yeah. whatever's easiest for you and then don't deviate because as you make your changes it'll all shake out. And what I mean is, let's say you choose to use cooked meat and it ends up putting you, and you want 220 grams of protein a day. And by using cooked, it ends up putting you at 240. Well, big deal. As you start making pools, you'll eventually get into your sweet spot. But stick to whatever direction you go. But the true answer is, if you want to be exact, you've got to go raw on meats. It's just, it's just how it is because that's how labels are, are made. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question is from Nick Maurer. Let's talk about rest periods for hypertrophy, hypertrophy, however you want to say it. I just like to say it all the different ways because people get pissed when you don't say it right. So <laughs> rest periods for hypertrophy. Do you think there's a difference in rest and overall muscle gain? So basically Nick's wanting to know, um, you know, if someone rests three minutes, is that better than resting a minute? Or what if you only rest 30 seconds? And I think this is a good one, Jason, for you to kind of kick off because you've kind of cracked your code. You've kind of found your sweet spot after a couple decades of training. And, you know, back in the day, I know I would regurgitate shit. You know what I mean? That I read, well, you should, you should rest this much and you should hit these rep ranges, but you've kind of cracked the code on your physique. And I've got something to add, but you know, people really want to hear this from you. What's your take on, on rest periods when it comes to muscle growth? Yeah. So I've tried it all. Um, and I personally think here's what you need to do. Um, Two minutes is pretty good, and here's why. You need to rest long enough to be as strong as you can on that next set. So, you know, if, if if you have Superman recovery, you could do a minute. But if you don't and you're still deep, deep breathing hard and, you know, your heart rate hasn't come back down, uh, I have a whoop app and I can look at it and see where my heart rate is um, before I start again because it, it tracks it for my, my strain coach. Um, but if you're still up in the 120s, I mean, you shouldn't be starting a set again. So I've found for me about two minutes uh, allows me to be as strong as I need to be for the next, for the next set. That might be three minutes for someone. So, so what's my takeaway? My takeaway is, is rest as much as you need to be at your optimal strength for the next set because that's what each set is about is, is being as strong as you can be being as tense as you intense as you can be and flexing the fuck out of that muscle. And if you're still breathing for air because you didn't rest long enough, you're not going to take that set to the, to the amount of failure that your body can truly do. Yeah. And I know, I know one thing too is, you know, different rep ranges. And I mean, do we go way down the rabbit hole on this one and we'll have a whole, yeah, we'll have a whole podcast on training. But, you know, rep ranges, if somebody's lifting, you know, six to eight reps, you're definitely going to need to rest longer than if you're doing, you know, 25 to 30 reps on the cable extension for triceps at the end of your workout. You know, I mean, you can rest a minute there and you can, you can roll like your body's not, it doesn't need to recover as much. So the other thing, you know, I think people need to think about, well, what, what rep ranges are, are you, are you going for strength? Are you trying to fill the, the muscle out with blood? It really just depends, but just go by feel. And to me, I think the number one thing that kind of sets people apart is if your if your reps are rapidly going down and you're having problems sticking to the rep range you want and you're dropping below it, like if you're trying to hit 12 reps, and you get that on your first one and you rest 45 seconds and then you only get like seven on your next one. Well, fuck rest a little bit more. Let that ATP build up, let that energy build up. So just rest a little bit longer. So I know sometimes people, they, they, they have to train fast. Um, and at that, you know, like they've got 45 minutes at lunch and that's all they can do. Well, then you need to lower your weights a little bit and that, that will at least help some, 
Um, I mean, dude, like I said, that's a rabbit hole topic. Well, you know, his question is, you know, max hypertrophy and someone who only has 45 minutes to train and they're only resting a minute to 30 seconds. They're not getting max hypertrophy. They're getting something done. I'm not saying don't go train, but you're not getting max hypertrophy. That's a great point. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you're just not like, you know, so when he's talking max, like you have to be rested for your next set. And you know, if that requires deep breathing, um, you know, do it. Like you got to oxygenate that body to be ready to roll. Um, you know, when I have my clients do rest pausing and things like that, they shouldn't just be sitting there hunched over where they can't get oxygen. They should be, you know, stood up or either sitting upright and they're doing deep, you know, deep breaths to, to oxygenate the body and then boom, you're back at the set. So, you know, rest is important and, and you've got to rest enough to be, to be optimal in that next set. Every set counts. You can only do so many, uh, in a training session. So every freaking set and every rep counts. We're going to do a whole series on this, man. We'll have like training series, like part one, two, and three, because there's so much stuff. For us yeah, there is. About. Like you just keep talking and then you say something, I say something. And we're like, oh yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, the next question comes from Taylor Bryant. Taylor asks, once you've gotten cortisol under control, is it a good idea to wait a certain amount of, of time before going into a cut? And I think that's a really good question, man, because yep. You know, a lot of people, they have cortisol issues and they get everything under control. Maybe they're working on insulin sensitivity, but then they, how quick before they can go, basically the question is how quick is it before I can go into a cut, which to me is cortisol is going to go back up. How long do you like to kind of see people chill out? You know, maybe they're training four days a week. I get, I get pressed a lot on this, right? I mean, I have a lot of clients that I help with cortisol issues and just hormonal issues in general. Yeah. They're like, Hey man, when can I go? Can I go? Yeah. So I use the analogy of, because I have a sports car that that I have and I don't drive it in the rain. I have a a daily driver and I tell him, I said, okay, so you get done cleaning your car, your sports car, you wax it. You've got the tire shined. Everything looks good. And they're calling for rain that day. Are you going to take that car right back out? Exactly. not. So you put all that work in to get it looking damn good. You aren't going to go right back out into the weather. So you've got to let that body kind of stabilize. Um, you, can't, you can't just finally get into good range and then jump right back in. Um, how long? I don't, I don't know the answer. Um, what I usually do is, is I do it in stages. So let's say I get cleared blood work from a client, and I have them training three days a week at maybe um, – 80% or an eight RPE. So they're stopping two reps short of failure. I might go ahead and say, all right, <clears throat> I'm going to clear you for four days a week. I'm going to clear you to take your RPE up to nine or 10. And let's just see what the feedback is. Are you still sleeping good? Or is your digestion staying good? And you know, then I might say, all right, well now I can give you a little deficit, but I'm not going to jump right into a deficit. Uh, nine out of 10, uh, you know, going up to a 10 RPE, uh, training six days a week and cardio back in, you know what I mean? It's just, it's too much. You're putting the body right back into the storm after you just got it shined up. So, um, I don't know the time frame, but like I said, I like to kind of walk it back out into the stressful environment and then take biofeedback. And if I get bad biofeedback, we, um, and once someone has like kind of had cortisol issues and met comp issues, I'm very careful how I do cuts. They might get hit for one week, but then it's back to list the next. They might get a carb cut one week, but then it, I might raise them the next. So my women who have been through this, um, because it's most of the time women, their cuts look a little different. They're not quite as linear uh, as, as other people's. Yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to add there. I just think people need to definitely be patient, especially – you know, you're talking about getting cortisol under control, but there's so many other issues that cortisol causes. Like oh, people yeah. listen to episode two. It's not just getting cortisol under control. It's getting the other things back into range like progesterone and testosterone yep. and all these other things. So, um, man, it's, I mean, it's almost like an impossible thing to answer. Go ahead and tell people though, Jason, what's the best way to get your cortisol tested? Because I, by the way, I've been asked that a lot here lately. Yeah. I figure we just talked about it on the show. Uh, because there's different ways to test it in the morning and there's spit tests yeah. and all that. Like what, what's your preferred method? So, I mean, this, this can kind of get a little, little tricky. Um, it, 
if someone present, prevent, presents to me and they got so many issues going on, I still go with like your traditional blood work labs, but that's not super um, accurate as it comes down to cortisol. But like, like a, but if I run them through a Dutch test, that doesn't do thyroid. And then they're going to have to pay for like thyroid. So I, I, I have to manage like dollar spend for my clients. So right. if, if someone comes to me with a slew of issues, I still go with traditional labs and I just get the blood work cortisol. Um, and, you know, I, I put some stock into the number and, you know, if it's elevated, I, I'm going to put some, you know, you know, I'm going to say, look, we're dealing with stress. Obviously your hormones are jacked. Let's treat it like, you know, you got high cortisol. But if they don't have a ton of issues or they just want to look at cortisol, um, there's the ZRT four-point cortisol test, saliva, which is pretty accurate. Um, I use the one on Nutrition Dynamics site. Um, and I think it might be about 250 bucks, somewhere around there. Yeah, I think, um, but, I think it's the Avexia, the Avexia test. That's what I have my clients do as well. Is it Avexia? Okay, I think there's a ZRT on there too, but Avexia is another brand. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the saliva is going to be a little more, well, it's going to be a good bit more accurate than, than the uh, blood work, but it just comes down to managing dollars for your client too. Yeah, definitely. Okay, dude, this may be the best question on the show. John from Springfield, Missouri wants to know, <laughs> I don't know who that is, by the way, <laughs> who's better, the excellence cartel or elite <laughs> physique university? Who better to answer that than you? You're on both shows. Oh, fuck. Come on, man. Don't, don't bullshit this one. Who's better? <laughs> Wait, let's just go with math here. Who's got the most? By the way, I think we're up to like 180 reviews. So thank you guys very much for that. Uh, no, I do want to bring up Excellence Cartel. I actually just talked to Jeff on the phone earlier today. We need to get him on to talk about HRV at some point in the future yeah. and him to kind of go over that. But that's kind of the – that's that's your other podcast that you're on. Yes, it is. If the listeners aren't familiar, you guys talk about business, but you talk yes. about a lot of other great stuff. Like you just talked about gut health and you talked about estrogen. So it's definitely one where I think there's it, there's times where people should go back and forth and listen to both. Um, but since you won't answer and I will, we're, we're definitely better. So. <laughs> there you go. I'll let you do it. <laughs> we, we got the number. So we'll just, we'll go yeah, with that. Yeah. Pure numbers. Hey, man. But, uh, you know, I enjoy being on both and, um, you know, it's sometimes nice to talk business. Uh, and, um, you know, we've had uh, a cancer survivor on there. We've had, um, uh, you know, someone who's overcame eating disorders to become an IFBB pro. So we kind of mix it up. And then here you and I just get into the nitty gritty of, of building a badass physique. So they're both fun to me. So I'll let you uh, have the last word and elite physique can be better under, under your tongue. I think we need to have some fun. I think we need to do a crossover episode or something like, dude, uh, there's all kinds of fun stuff. We can I'm do game that it's just, it's just good for everybody. Well, you've already been on with us too, you know, so oh, it's a good, we, had, we yeah. had a good chemistry too. So yeah, a couple of times, maybe, maybe we should let Jeff come host this for one day and I'll go host that one. <laughs> there one <you> go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Next question is from Kathy Taylor. Do you think pre-exhaustion techniques are superior than just going into your heavier sets first when it comes to bodybuilding? Man, I, so I love this question because this hasn't really been studied. This hasn't been proven, but I'm a huge fan of pre-exhaustion techniques. I, I think if, you know, we, this way I learned, you go in to your workout, like if you're going to train chest and you do your biggest, heaviest movements first, because you're quote unquote, the freshest, then you have the most energy. And I did that for a long time and it led to, um, you know, little nagging injuries It led to achy shoulders and just stuff like that. And, you know, it's one thing if someone's competing like in a powerlifting meet or something like that and they, they still try and bodybuild, but for straight bodybuilding, I know my clients, I've had them do this for a long time and myself as well. I know Cliff's the same way. I'll, I'll see what you think of this. I'm real big on people starting off with pre-exhaustion techniques, basically just higher rep sets, maybe some flies to start off a chest workout to fill it up with blood. And then they almost do the workout in reverse. They do the easier stuff first with higher reps first, and then they go on and they smash the rest of the workout. And I've just seen myself and my clients be able to feel the chest better as they train, um, you get better cell swelling from it. Yeah, your strength's not going to go up as much, but you're also not having to use as much weight on some of the other exercises, which to me, you know, longevity, you know, somebody's going to train 20, 30, 40 years, you're looking at, you know, less likelihood of getting injured. 
it's just kind of my take on it. And I think if someone can feel the muscle better over the course of years and decade or a dec or decades, if they use pre-exhaustion, I don't really see a reason not to do it. What's, what's your take on that? Mine's a little different. Um, and again, I've done everything and you know, I, I probably used to do more pre-exhaustion, but my theories have changed. Um, for in joint integrity, I, I, I tend to agree with you. So for instance, my knees are probably, all my joints are pretty good. My knees, I would say are the worst and, and they're still not horrible, but they're the worst. So my knees, I start off with uh, some form of leg curl and maybe an extension that's real light. So for legs, I do generally do it. But for every other body part, I use acclimation sets. So like chest, I start with a, with, a, with a machine press. I go right into my pressing. I want to be as strong as I can. But I might do two sets that I don't count. They're going to go up to 20 reps. But I'm still squeezing the fuck out of it. And it's, it's tiring me. And it's getting blood in there. And then I'll have, uh, you know, four sets maybe. And I work to that top set where I'm tracking my PR or, you know, trying to get new reps. Um, so for me, where there's a joint issue involved with a client, I do use other exercises first to get the joint uh, mobility warmed up. But if they're healthy, I like to do acclimation sets with the main builders first when someone's fresh and to get into it because you only have so many sets you can be as strong as you can be and um to make the most out of your your you know building muscle so that's where i kind of land so if you have joint problems definitely you know uh some some smaller accessories up front work really well to extend longevity if you don't have joint problems i generally like to hop right into the main exercises and be as strong as i can but i do use acclimation sets to basically prime my muscle to feel the contraction and be able to work properly that's just where i am in my training and what's worked best for me the last four or five years uh it doesn't mean i'm right it's just kind of how i do things and how i kind of build my programs for my clients yeah and, and i think it comes back to like you said earlier biofeedback like yeah. figure out what really feels well kind of crack your own code so to speak yeah. And, and but then be ready to change because a lot of the times like something will feel great to you for a while then you need to change it up and go to yeah. something else yeah 100 um, i've been on the same workout right now for nine months and no one no one wants to do that they they all feel like they need on board what the fuck man don't Dig get me in. started don't get me started on that shit <laughs> i'm like dude and you know and then i say well dorian and, and, and ronnie did the same fucking workouts like come on dig in you yeah, know, but, but then, uh, they, then they come back and say, yeah, but they were on anabolics and they're genetically elite and blah, 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 blah. But how many, I mean, listen, you're a perfect example. Your physique is growing better than it's ever grown after training for decades. Yep. And, and so what does that say? You know what I right. mean? So people, people definitely take that to heart. But like I said, I'll get pissed because that's something I have to fight with my clients about all the time. They're like, hey, it's been two weeks. I need, I need some new exercise. <laughs> I'm like, the fuck? No. You're, just, you're not even good at that exercise yet, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So, um, okay, so it looks like we've got a bunch of anonymous ones coming up and then one more. So this one's anonymous. What's harder, getting someone to lose 100 or more pounds or getting someone to 5% body fat for stage? That's a really, really good question. I, I, you know, I know who this is. I think it's a coach um, because there's a lot of people listening to the show that are coaches. They have clients and not everybody yeah. has clientele like we have, which is mostly, or a lot of people that get on stage, um, especially if they're newer coaches, they're getting the, the mom of three that needs to lose 30 yeah. pounds and to get into shape. Um, but, you know, I've helped, I mean, dude, dozens and dozens of people lose well over a hundred pounds and it's, it's definitely something I've got experience with. Do you, do you have a lot of people you've helped with over a hundred pounds? I mean, I'm sure you've got a bunch of people you've, you've helped lose a lot of weight. Not with. over a hundred. And I would go on record as saying it's way harder to make someone lose a hundred pounds than the person who already knows how to fucking do this shit, get to 5%. Yeah. And, and I, I would agree with you a hundred percent. There's so much mental and habits and emotions that have to be overcome to make that kind of progress um, it's, it's a huge undertaking for coach and, and the person. I, I think from a, a body standpoint, a physical standpoint, you know, I'm probably like 25 pounds from stage right now. 
mm-hmm. to get me down to stage would be from a, from a physical standpoint, it would take a lot. Yeah. If I was a hundred pounds overweight, it wouldn't take a lot to get me to drop three, four, five pounds a week in the beginning. It's that it's not from a physical standpoint that it's hard. It's from the mental standpoint, like yes. you said, like getting someone to stick to the diet, getting them to meal prep, like getting them to get up and get to the gym when it's just not a constant habit. It's not something, I mean, obviously they've, they've developed habits that have led them to get a hundred or more pounds overweight. Right. So, like just to explain to them what a macro is, how to track, like for me at my stage in my career, that's very tedious shit that I'm just not truly interested in. So like that would be very difficult for me to go through that whole process with them. So I, for me, I just think it would be much harder and I know the mental anguish they have to go through too, you know? Yeah. So if you're a coach out there listening, my, my take on this is if you're good with, you know, Jason brought up a good point. If you're good with, with taking a lot of the tedious stuff and really taking the time to help and educate it and be very, very patient, then yeah, like you can, if you can get people to stick to a plan, the weight's going to fall off of them if they're a hundred pounds over stage. Um, I, I tend to like the challenge more of getting someone to stage. That's why I still put a lot of people on stage. It's why I love working with natural bodybuilders because it's fucking hard. Like you Hell have yeah. to be a problem solver and yep. it's, it's a challenge and it makes me learn more. Um, but I like both ends. I really do. I like my buddy, Jason Wells has lost 230 pounds. Yes. Finally yeah, had he surgery. It. Like he's he going, to, yeah, he's going to this conference too. Like he's learning a lot. Oh, nice. Good um, for him, man. What a yeah. life change. Yeah, exactly. So that, that kind of stuff is, is good. But I mean, it's when you get somebody that's a hundred pounds or more of a weight, most of the time, unfortunately, you know, I get a lot of people because they see me helping Jason and I get a lot of those clients. Unfortunately, I'm going to say, you know, 60, 70% will lose 20, 30 pounds. I never hear from them again. It's kind of, that's what I mean. That's why I say that's the harder thing. Like it's just hard to get the buy-in and for them to make this a long-term lifestyle. Yeah. Let's uh let's jump on down. Jake Whalen wants to know what are your three best supplements that you recommend for high cholesterol. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a really good question. That's something that I, dude, I literally listen to something at least once or twice a week on this topic. I went to Nutridyne conferences over this. I finally fixed mine. It's a passion of mine. Um, I know the three that I definitely recommend to every. And by the way, I'm helping a lot of people with their cholesterol these days. A lot of people just message me. I just send them the supplements and the and the idea of a modified Mediterranean diet. So the supplements that go with that that I've seen work really well are niacin in the form of yep. nicotinic acid. It needs to be nicotinic acid, not just yep. niacin. Um, garlic is another good one, and then L-carnitine and especially injectable L-carnitine. Yep as we've said multiple times, even on this show, those are the three that I send to everybody. And that will help you with basically everything that will help get your HDL up. It will help lower your LDL and help lower your triglycerides and just get everything into a better range. And by the way, if you have high blood pressure, once you get those things into range, your blood pressure drops too. So it kind of all yeah. just works together. And those are three supplements. They're pretty cheap. Yeah, um, they are. Like the injectable car, and you get for like thirty bucks. You know, if you sent the tech, it's like sixty. It doesn't matter. Like it's it's gonna last you forever. Um, those three are are pretty pretty cheap. Uh, you've mentioned others to me, Jason. You told me about Cardatone. I actually added that. It's got magnesium, so I personally take that as well. And then um, Dante Trudell is real big on um, uh, citrus bergamot, and yep. he had talked about that dropping you know, your point 10 to 40 points. And I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to throw that in there and I'm going to get my, my labs done again in another eight weeks. Cause I'm constantly seeing what, what lowers things, even though I'm in a good range now, uh, I can still improve just a little bit. So I'm trying that. Um, is there anything else out there that you like to recommend? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Dante also turned me on to krill oil. So with my clients, I do uh, niacin krill oil. Um, and citrus bergamot, krill oil, four to five grams. Um, you know, you could use a really good fish oil, but uh, the krill was what he recommended. So I use Viva brand. That's what he recommended. Um, so that's my three for my clients. And then, of course, we're cleaning up the diet, but I mean, that's what we do. So um, that just, you know, that's, that's step one. Um, so, and then, of course, like you said, if you can get someone to do the inject bell carnitine, it's going to work amazing. 
Uh, but those are my three that I generally use uh, for oral supplementation. Yeah, I can't wait till we have a, a just a whole topic on that and heart health. Um, okay, so here's here's one. This is anonymous. You both run multiple companies, are some of the busiest coaches that I know. Please give your best tip for staying organized. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I like that question, man. I love talking business. Um, Me too. You know, I'm a coach and I like doing all this other stuff, but I'm, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Like, you, I think you and I are kind of cut from the same cloth. Yeah. And I mean, dude, we're both just massively busy with all this other stuff. What's your best tip for staying organized? Because, I mean, dude, if you wanted to give an example of what you do, like between your mentorships and two podcasts and <laughs> owning multiple supplement companies and every, you know, you know, large client base, I mean, fuck, what else? Speaking all over the place, like, what else am I missing? Um, that's probably probably yeah. most of it. I'm you're I'm <laughs> probably forgetting some of it too, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. Um, I'm in the same boat, except I don't have a supplement company. I've got gyms, so um, right. You know, and then you, you know you can add dad and husbands to our resume, so you put that right. shit together, and it's you know, and then our you know my own bodybuilding and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I came from the corporate world, um, and you know, in a corporate world, you have a day. You know, you start at a certain time, and you usually knock off at a certain time. And I still. I still do that. I think it's important to have a schedule. Like, it's not like, oh God, I get to work from home. So you know what? I'm just gonna get up at noon today. Eh, maybe I'll have my coffee, eat a little breakfast. Well, I'll go to the gym first. My clients, eh, they'll wait. I get home at five. Maybe I'll answer a few emails. Maybe I'll kick a few more. Like that shit doesn't work if you want to be like really good at this job. Um, so I get up generally at the same time every day. I'm down in front of my computer generally at the same time every day. I work for three or four hours. I get up and break because sitting all day just isn't good for you health wise. I go to the gym. Um, and you know, I might have to pick my, I had to pick my, my son up today after I got out of the gym. Like there's, there's, there's dad and, 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 and husband and stuff I'm doing, but in general, I go to the gym, I come back and then I work more and I might have to work till seven 30 or six 30. But I think it's really important to have a schedule. So whatever schedule works for you, maybe you aren't a morning person. So you start your day at noon, but then you do exactly pretty much the same things every day. It's kind of just like bodybuilding. Like, you know, at the times you eat at the same day, you generally train at the same time, like do the same thing with, um, with being a coach. Now I have some other things built in. I have great people uh, that I work with. Um, my wife does all my back end stuff. So she does all the accounting. She, you know, helps run new ethics, like a well-oiled machine. Um, I have feed for function. It's a coaching app. It allows me to take on more clients than the, than the average Joe. It just does. Um, so, you know, I have things in place that allow me to work optimally, just like I supplement my body and, and do all that to be optimal. I do the same thing with coaching and everything has to be stay, it has to stay to a schedule. I use Google calendar. I've got all my shit on there. I get notifications sent to me. So, you know, you've got to just be organized. And then lastly, don't be a procrastinator. I've never been one. Um, you know, I've went through college and law school and not once did I ever have to stay up all night and pull an all nighter ever. And, 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 and that's, that's because I don't like shit to build up on me. I'm, I'm constantly trying to clear my inbox. When I get that, that fucking inbox, that doesn't have highlighted black. I'm like, fuck yeah. You know? So it's like, I'm constantly working to do that. Um, so you got to keep a schedule. You got to have good people around you to help. And, um, you got to have tools that, uh, keep you, keep you organized. Yeah. I, I'm a little old school. Um, I'm definitely, I'm never going to be the smartest guy in the room, but I'm definitely one of the most organized and, and I, I take pride in that and hard work. So I always have, it's basically just a notebook that I flip open. It's like a little leather bound notebook, like a six by nine. And I've got each day and I, I write everything down, whether it's for two days from now or whatever. And I'm a checklist guy. I go down and I, I check the box and I make sure I don't go to bed until all my shit's done. And if I can get my stuff done earlier in the day, well, that's great because then it just freed up a whole bunch of other time to do other shit that I want to do, whether it's relax with my kid, play pool, you know what I mean? Or just chill out in front of the TV. 
but I'm always one of those guys. I write down shit for the day and I make sure I get like, I have the podcast written on today. Like I've got all that stuff written on there. And, you know, Andy Priscilla kind of came up with this, this, uh, this whole concept of the power list and you purposely write down five things a day to do. And it helps you check those off the list and it builds a habit. And that's, you know, I don't necessarily do it like that. Like he, he's got a great concept out there. I just make a to-do list and I make sure I don't go to bed unless that shit's done. And if I fuck up for the day, I have to move it to the next day. And that starts, no one likes that because like you said, if you procrastinate, then you create this pile of shit and that leads to you getting unorganized and stressed out. So I think if people would just take the time and create a to-do list and make sure you get it done every day, it'd be so much more organized. Dude, I know so many coaches, Jason, that I, and fuck, I'm good friends with them. Like I email them. I don't hear from them for three fucking days. I shoot them a text. Like they don't answer. Oh, me. I'm like, dude, you guys that's the way they're doing their clients organized. too. That's I know. the way they're doing their clients too. Yeah, they're successful Amazing. as fuck. Like I don't get it, man. Like it drives me crazy. So, you know, if they just be more organized, I don't think anyone should get If you're a coach and you go more than fucking 24 hours, you know, you go a couple Agreed. days, unless you're traveling or something like that's just a sign that, I mean, Jesus, you know what I mean? I'll get off my soapbox. Um, but no, but that's why we've made it this, you know, I mean, you know, you got to treat people with respect and get them, get them answers. You know, you can't leave them hanging. I mean, um, that's not going to work. Well, and people like that are never like, like you say, there's levels to coaching knowledge, kind of like what we're talking about on the podcast. Um, there's levels to being successful too. And people that aren't organized, they're never going to get past. Um, and there's nothing wrong with just being a coach, by the way. I was very happy just being a coach in 2014. I was making good money. But if you want to get to the next level, if you want to own one or one or more businesses on top of coaching, or write a book or speak, you have you have to get more organized. Like you have to have these systems in place. So I think there's I think there's levels to success that kind of come with that. One hundred percent. I I totally agree with you. Okay. This here's a good question. Here, synonymous as well. I'm coming off testosterone for the first time and I will never be taking it ever again. I know my test levels are going to take some time to come back up. So how should my training change during the period of time that my natural levels aren't up yet and my testosterone's low? I have been currently training six days a week. So um, Jason, something we can both answer. You're, you're, definitely, you're definitely the expert here. Um, I've dealt with this quite a bit with clients over the last 10 years. Um, but I want to throw this over to you because we kind of split the show up into, you know, I'm the natty coach, you, you cover the assistant side. Um, but you're, you're more experienced than I am here. Talk about what kind of happens when somebody comes off of a cycle with their natural sure. and then how they kind of tailor their training to match that. So, sorry. So, you know, um, first you have to understand what's going on in the body. Um, so we'll start there just in case the person doesn't understand that. When you take exogenous hormones like testosterone, there's a negative feedback loop that occurs in the body. And so your own natural production comes to a halt, okay? So you're not producing testosterone. So once you remove the exogenous, your body can start to try again. But usually it takes, you know, a little time, uh, a lot of time actually. And they should be running a proper PCT. Um, so I hope that they are, and they have something in, in, in store there. Um, now as it, as the, as the testosterone, the exogenous testosterone clears, and that might take three weeks or so to get it completely out of the body to dosage and, you know, the half-life of, of the compound. And, you know, you're going to be starting hopefully a PCT. So my point is while you're on PCT, your testosterone levels, usually I see them stay around 400 to 700. So you're not going to be bottomed out. So for the first five weeks that you're, you know, getting the compound out of your body and then you're on PCT, you're not going to feel too bad. But you should start scaling your training back and getting ready for the fact when you finally come off that HCG and whatever other um, PCT compounds you're using, you're going to drop into the, probably the 200s for a while until your body really gets on board six months later. So I would scale back to probably five days a week and probably pull um, one exercise off as well and just see how you're doing. And then as your PCT comes to an end, um, be ready to kind of feel that lull 
And you're going to have to decide if for a while you should even scale back to four days per week and maybe watch your RPE and stop, you know, rate of perceived exertions. Just another way of saying like, you know, maybe you train to an eight where you stop two reps shy of failure and just see where your body's at. Everyone's recovery is going to be different. If you haven't ran a lot of cycles, you're going to, you're going to pop back quicker, but you're definitely going to want to scale training back and watch your, how are you sleeping? How are you feeling? How's your libido and all those different things and not on the body too hard uh while while this is going on also your your rate of efficiency is just going to go down so if you're on a good amount of carbohydrate intake you won't need to back right away because like i said it's going to take a minute for half-lives to kick in and all that exogenous to get out but at some point you're going to be less efficient and probably want to pull your carbohydrates back too to prevent uh the fat gain that can go along with coming off and um you know not having the extra rocket fuel yeah, that, that's something I always do with people is, you know, on, on the way up, you know, when someone's starting, whether it's HRT or they're starting a cycle is once it really kind of gets into their system, I'll feed them up too. Like I'll feed that extra growth that they're going to get, but it's, you got to do the same thing on the back end when it's on the way down. Like you, at some point you got to lower down. So, um, I knew that was definitely a good question for you. Here's another one. This one's sent in straight to you. It's, it's anonymous. Jason, with you owning New Ethics, what's the top things that you're looking for when you sponsor someone, and are you accepting sponsored athletes now? So I know we're going to do one um, at this point, unless you guys do it on the Excellence Cartel, it doesn't matter, where we're going to do one over what it takes to be a sponsored athlete. Um, So, I mean, I think we can kind of foreshadow a little bit here and give some tips, but one, are you looking for athletes, and two, what are you looking for when you do find someone? Yeah, I mean, we're always looking for sponsored athletes. we have two tiers. We have resellers. Um, and, but then we also have sponsored athletes and, you know, to be a sponsored athlete in this day and age, I mean, the, the tables have kind of changed in the social media world and, you know, you've got to be able to bring something to the table, to the company. Um, so, you know, whether that's usually, um, you might not have the most followers, but you have a lot of engagement and we, we can see that. And, you know, your, your following uh, knows you as an authority. And that goes a long way with us. Now, you might have, you know, you could have 600,000 followers, but you're only getting, you know, 400 likes and no one comments on anything you post. That's not really going to be something that, that we're looking for. But you might have 10,000 followers, but you get 25 responses to things you post. So your following sees you as an authority. And therefore, we would be interested in someone like that if, you know, if, if they go along with the brand. You know, our brand is, we just released new hoodies and it says built on the inside and out. And so we're looking for people who kind of, you know, fit that mold where, you know, they have some education on internal health and they believe in that message because we're not going to be that company that's throwing fat burners out there. And we're not going to be that company that's throwing stimulated, uh, STEM-based uh, pre-workouts and all those things. So you know, you have to kind of believe in our message and, um, and, 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 you know, that's, that's important to us. Um, but yeah, like in this day and age, you've got to be able to deliver something to the company, um, to kind of, to kind of, you know, be in that, that, uh, realm to be a sponsored athlete. Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think I would be a good example. Um, you know, someone that's not with first form after six years, the next question is actually to me based on that, but, yeah, I don't have a giant following. I've got 15,000 on Instagram and I think like seven or 8,000 on Facebook, but I've got a lot of clients and I've got people that are loyal that love listening to this podcast or love reading some of the stuff I put out. Yep. So, you know, if someone's out there that's like me, you're a coach and you've got, it doesn't matter what your client base is. You've got clients that use supplements. Um, that's a valuable, valuable person. If you've got 50 clients, I mean, shit. You know what I mean? Like you are an authority to them. You don't have to have a giant social following. Maybe you relate to social. Jason, I know you and I were. I mean, we yep. both have about the same Instagram. Yep. We were, but, we were, I was late. Yep. Yeah, but you know what? Look look how much money we make. Like yep. look at – 100%. You, and that's not to brag. That's just an example. So many people try and chase success. Like they're trying to chase a large social media following. And I'm, I'm sitting here with 15,000 thinking, dude, I don't want 150,000. I'm fucking busy enough. So <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I'd yeah. rather make the money I make and have a following like I have now. It, it's fine. So anyway, I just wanted to, to bring that up. Um, yeah. What's the, uh, you know, a lot of people, they're looking for supplement sponsors. 
but they're not currently using the product. What What are your thoughts on that? I've always told people when I've done podcasts on this topic, I'm like, listen, if you're not using the product, they're going to fucking know because you're easy to look up in the system, see if you've even placed orders before. Like, yeah. how, you, you know, kind of speak to that a little bit if you would. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I – I want to see someone that, that believes in our message, as I said before, you know, like if I go on their social and everything's about, um, like I said, fat burners and pushing, you know, STEM pre-workouts and they really just aren't into our message. Um, it's just not going to work, but at the same token, um, you know, if someone's never used our products, but they seem like they're educated in, you know, the type of message that we're trying to get across, I wouldn't necessarily rule them out, but I'd want to know like, what brought you to us or like, you know, where are you trying to go and what's, what's, what direction are you going in? So that I see that if our brand fits with where they're going, but generally speaking, yeah, you want someone who we're looking at um, a coach right now and you know, they, they're with another company, but they speak our language in terms of, you know, worrying about getting all the body systems right so that because most people don't have a fat loss problem. They have an internal problem. And that's what New Ethics, we, we solve problems uh, in terms of fat loss and health. So we want someone who speaks that language. So even though they might not be using this right now because they're with another company, we want them to speak our language. So I hope that kind of helps clear that up. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't run people off too because most people are thinking, well, fuck, I, I I'm about it. I just haven't used the products. You know, I, th- I right. think that's I think that's good. And, and this final question, you can chime in too on this if you want, even though it's addressed to me. This is from it's anonymous. It says, John, you recently left left First Form after six years with them. What's the best tip that you can give to anyone that's thinking about being a sponsored athlete? So. I've only been sponsored by two companies in the fitness industry. One was NRGX way back in the day, 2010 to like 2014, designed some supplements with them. Like Max Test was a test booster that was really, really good back in the day. Um, and a GDA I helped them with at some point. And, you know, I it was cool, but they went out of business. So then I went to First Form. I was with them for six years up until I left, I don't know, five, six months ago. I can't remember how long it's been now. Um, but prior to that, I, in the fishing world where I fished professionally and made a pretty good living, I had 23 fucking sponsors at one time and I was speaking all over the place. Like, so my, my redneck ass has some experience when it comes to, you know, making money with sponsorships or just representing them and, you know, really with grassroots customers. So then I thought about that and what's the best tip that I can give to somebody as I get older, I realize this, guys, and most people don't think about this going in. Anytime you go into business or you become sponsored or affiliated or just tied to someone else, there's always going to be an expiration date on your time with that company or with that person or that group of people. And you have to think about that on the front end. And if that is always on your mind, you can do business the right way and you can think about, okay, at some point, Things are going to end. I want to make sure I end. I do everything I can to help this company to do my job right and to deliver more to that company than they deliver to me. That way, when you go out, because it's going to be time to go out, whether you do your own thing or you're just done and tired, yeah. it's almost like having a job. Like you, no one, hardly anyone is going to be at the same fucking job for 50 <laughs> right. years. It's the same thing. As long as you make sure you give more to that company, when you go out, no one can ever hold anything against you. They're going to be grateful to you, or they should, because not all companies are. Now, I'm not going to get into that. But as long as you do everything you can for that company, above and beyond, that's the number one tip I can give. And if you do that, you're going to be rewarded. You'll be rewarded with more opportunities. Or if it doesn't work out, other people are going to notice that on the outside. And there are going to be other supplement companies or other businesses or connections that you're going to make. And that's the best advice that I can give to anybody. Is there, is there anything you want to add, Jason? Because you've been sponsored as well, not just owning your own companies. Man, that's, that's pretty good advice, man. Um, I mean, you can spin that a lot of different ways, but I think at the end of the day, they all pretty much lead back to that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's, I think that's on point. I really don't have anything else to add to that. 
Yeah, man. I, I think that's a, a good way to finish the show. Guys, if you're driving, listening to this, or if you're somewhere you can stop, just hit pause. Please leave us a review. We're starting to get close to 200. We're going to do a big giveaway. I'm not sure what number we're looking at, but once we get past 200, we're going to do a pretty damn big giveaway. Um, Jason, you and I needed to, to uh, discuss some details on that, but we're going to do something really cool for somebody. I know we've got some speaking engagements and stuff coming up. Um, so it may involve a trip out for that. We'll just see. There's all kinds of different stuff that we're, we'll ask you guys, Hey, what, what do you want to do for a big giveaway? So, um, please, please, uh, subscribe and, uh, tell a friend and we appreciate you. So anything you want to say to anybody before we take off, Jason? No, you know, um, I enjoyed this episode. It's like, it's, uh, it's a bunch of different stuff and it's like, it's cool answering people's questions cause you know, they're getting the shit they want. So other than that, I, I don't have anything else, man. Yeah, stay tuned, guys, because next week we're going to have Vince Pitstick, Jason's business partner, very, very yeah. smart guy, on the show. We're going to talk about gut health. And I don't know how many episodes that may turn into. We may end up making it into two. We'll just see. But I'm really excited for that, and I'm excited for the conference I'm getting ready to go to to learn more about that myself. So um, stay tuned for myself and Jason. We're out of here. Thanks, guys. See ya.